Masters Week on the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. This baseball season, T-Mobile customers can get a free season-long subscription to MLB.tv Premium. Sign up by April 10th at T-Mobile.com slash MLB, or sign up for MLB.tv while on T-Mobile's network. We're also brought to you by Harry's Razors. Superior Razors ship straight to your door at half the drugstore price. Get $5 off your first order with the code GOLF at harrys.com. Lastly, we're sponsored by FanDuel. Now that baseball is back, you can try the fun and competition of Daily Fantasy risk-free for up to 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com and enter the code GOLF. You can't ignore the scoreboard. I mean, I think you, you look up and you see it. I think at one point I was maybe seven or eight shots back of Jordan today. So um, it just shows you how quickly things can change, especially here, you know, on this golf course in these conditions. So, you know, unless someone is playing exceptionally well and really distances himself from the field, you know, everything sort of evens out. You know, Jordan got off to a very fast start yesterday, got off to another fast start today. But, you know, the conditions are so tough, it's hard to keep that going. There's always going to... You're always going to make mistakes here and there, and um, you know it, it all evens out at the end of the week. There's still another you know, 36 holes to go, and a lot can happen. There's a lot of players still within five or six of the lead that can have a great weekend and, and contend. That was Rory McIlroy, and this is the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. That was not only just Rory McIlroy, but actually second place, solo second Rory McIlroy. Rory's grinded out a 71 today which might not seem that great, but he's going to find himself in the final pairing tomorrow. That's Saturday with Jordan Spieth in the afternoon. Final pairing, two of the top three players in the world. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, and I'm joined by a great guy here, Cameron Morfitt. He is a senior writer at SI Golf Group. Cam, how's it going? Very good, Sean. Thanks for having me. So you and I just got done filming a live show uh, on golf.com, and now we're going to podcast, and we're going to just kind of vent about everything that we saw today. Beginning with the final pairing that I alluded to earlier, we've got Spieth versus McElroy, basically what everybody wanted in the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty incredible final pairing. It's the first time that they're going to play on the weekend together at a major. What are, what, are you, what are you thinking right now? Is this kind of exactly what you were hoping for? This is great. I mean, this is a, this is a phenomenal result so far for, for this Masters, and I'll tell you why. Because... Spieth was running away with this thing at the beginning of, of Friday. People were looking up at the board going, God, is he just going to do it again? I mean, he sucked all the life out of the tournament. And then, lo and behold, he goes out, he doubles five, and things get a little tight. He makes a few bogeys coming in. McElroy makes a few birdies coming in, and look what we've got. We've got a dream twosome going on off the tee on uh, last group on Saturday. And it's a contrast in styles. I mean, you've got two guys who get it done, in very different ways. Spieth is a, obviously a fantastic putter. Rory, Tita Green is just unmatched. And uh, it's going to be a blast to watch. I'm super psyched. Yeah, they go off at 2.55, I believe, Saturday afternoon. So we're going to have to wait for it. And there's going to be a plenty of players that are you know, going off before them. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just excited to see them go up against each other because we've seen plenty of times in early 2016 these guys have to play each other they get they get slotted for the first two rounds together because certain events without as much clout really want to put the best players in the world against each other and you know their record against each other I think I believe actually favors McElroy slightly and not that that means anything for Augusta National but if you look at the rounds today Friday McElroy actually did play better, and like you said, he came out with a couple birdies on the back nine, and Spieth just seemed a little bit off. Yeah, and you know, 
McElroy's advantage on the tee to green game is going to show up more in the wind. You know, you've got Spieth is a little bit off. He's he's not totally sure what he's doing out there. He's still scoring pretty well, but uh, you know, he's not quite 100% on his game from tee to green. And and when the wind blows, that's magnified. So I I, I actually give a slight edge to Rory McElroy. I think. The fact that he's making some putts is big. I mean, he made that long, long putt for birdie on the 16th hole, which he said was just a bonus today. And uh, But just seeing the ball go in the hole is such a big factor. I mean, this is such a mental game, golf. And uh, Rory's, Rory's been making some putts, finally. You know, he's got to feel like, geez, finally they're going in. Yeah, I'm okay with you giving the edge to Rory, only because I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Jordan Spieth. We have to remember that this guy is the—he's played Augusta National better than anyone in the history of uh, a, a few competitive tournaments. You know, Spieth today, his 74 was the first time that he did not uh, at least match par, which is unreal. His 10th time at Augusta National is the first time he doesn't break par. The guy is still leading the tournament. People are gonna—they're gonna look at Spieth's round and, and the fact that he didn't even play that great in his eyes or up to his standards on. Thursday and people will be like wow he doesn't seem on but the guy's got a one-stroke lead through 36 holes and I think that that's kind of something that we're going to lose track of when we get excited with about the likes of Bryson DeChambeau and the fact that Spieth you know he made a bigger weekend field by coming a couple strokes back that's something that I think it's lost in the shuffle that Jordan Spieth is still winning this golf tournament yeah and he was part of a sort of a a uh, three-man pileup a little bit on the back nine there. You saw Paul Casey really struggle coming in. Uh, you saw DeChambeau really struggle coming in with that triple bogey on 18. So, uh, you know, to some extent, you're, you're, uh, you get a little bit affected by the guys that you're playing with. And for a while, all three of those guys were kind of like drafting off each other in a good way. But then sort of toward the end, it went bad for them. And uh, so, you know, that may have affected him a little bit. I think being on the clock may have affected Spieth a little bit. Uh, four putting uh, a hole may have affected him <laughs> a little bit. So, you know, I think the, the, the one thing he hasn't been able to do in a couple of months, it hasn't been that long, but he hasn't been able to put four good rounds together. Uh, you know, he, he basically is just, for Jordan's speed, he just hasn't really looked like he looked in 2015, with the exception of the Hyundai TOC at the very, very beginning of the year. But that seems like ages ago now. So... You know, that's the last piece of the puzzle for him, and that's the last piece of the puzzle for any golfer. You know, you can have a, a, one good round. Okay, can you, can you string it together and have two? Can you string it together and have three? And, you know, maybe Speed's really, really bad round was today. Maybe it was his 74, and if that's the case, that's not terrible. Here's a quick word about one of the sponsors of Sports Illustrated Podcast, T-Mobile. Wish you could catch every Major League Baseball game. I wish I could catch my Brewers more often. Now you can. Only T-Mobile customers get a free year-long MLB.tv premium subscription. That's $110 value for free, so they never miss a game. Hurry and sign up by April 10th to catch any out-of-market game all season long. That's 2,430 games and over 7,000 hours of baseball. That's a lot of baseball, and it never touches your data plan. Thanks to Binge On, only from T-Mobile, you can stream your favorite team's games without using any of your data. So remember, get your free MLB.tv premium subscription by April 10th and catch every moment all season long. Already a T-Mobile customer? That's fine. Just sign up at T-Mobile.com MLB. 
Sign up for MLB.tv while on T-Mobile's network. New MLB.tv premium subscribers only. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Binge on available to T-Mobile customers with qualifying plan. Detectable video typically streams at DVD quality. Video from participating services doesn't count against full speed data on our U.S. network. Third-party subscription charges may apply. Now, I like how you brought up DeChambeau because the guy played with Spieth in 36 holes now. And it was fun watching the two together because, uh, you know, DeChambeau is an amateur, but he's only a couple months younger than Jordan Spieth, which really just goes to say how successful Jordan's been in his young career. But DeChambeau, he played just as well at Jordan Spieth, as Jordan Spieth did in a couple of these rounds. But it, it's too bad because he ended up with a triple bogey on 18, dropping three strokes right before what could have been an actual uh, final pairing for himself. So DeChambeau is playing some great golf right now. What, do you, what, what have you liked for what you've seen from him? I just I love his uh, feel for competition. I mean, he really knows how to win. This is a guy who became just the fifth player to win the U.S. Amateur and the NCAA Division I title uh, in the same year. Just last year, he knows how to get it done. He, he's a pressure player. He's a big-time player. And one thing about Bryson DeChambeau is he's a very fast learner. He, he, his learning curve is extremely steep. Uh, at the very beginning of this year, he and Rory McIlroy played around together. It was the first time he played with Rory. And DeChambeau, I think, was a little bit... That was over in, was that over in Dubai or over in... Yeah. yeah, it was Abu Dhabi. And I think DeChambeau was a little bit like, freaked out by it because he shot 78. Uh, which is, you know, a pretty high score for, for somebody of that caliber, and you just, you just don't see him shooting 78s very often. Well, they get paired together again at Bay Hill. Lo and behold, DeChambeau matches Rory shot for shot. Rory shoots 65, DeChambeau shoots 66, and they actually finish tied uh, overall. So, you know, he's really learning fast. As you said, he's only 22, and that's really no different than speed, essentially. So, uh, you know, he's... He's a great, great young player, and it's exciting that, uh, that he also is so early in his career and has so many years ahead of him to, uh, to play on a big stage like the Masters. What I really liked from him seeing uh, the first two rounds he played with, with Spieth and Paul Casey is just how consistent his game is because the guy played, you know, after leaving SMU early, he played a couple events over in Europe uh, and over across seas. And those are events that we don't really get to see in the States, so I didn't get to really watch him play much at all. You just kind of see results. And as you said, they were, pretty mu they were pretty mixed. And then he played at Arnie's tournament and ended up faring well on Sunday. But his game is super consistent. Like you haven't, other than that round that you said that he shot 78, his big, his bad rounds really haven't been that bad. They haven't been explosive, explosively bad rounds, and you can see consistency in his play at Augusta National. The guy, his, he's good at hitting greens, and he gets to the point where he's, I don't know, 15 to 20 feet away from, uh, from making putts. He might roll it up there close. He might have to two putt, but he's also striking the ball really, really well. You know, he's just consistent in how he's approaching every single one of these holes. You know, he, he dropped one in the Rays Creek today, and I think that that was going to be a big moment for him. And he kind of like a big letdown, but he stepped back up there, made his drop, made his flop shot, and then made his par putt. You know, that's the kind of stuff, like you said, learning curve. He's learning how to play Augusta National, and he might just be playing with the best teacher of all time at Augusta National, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I mean, much like Speed, he's 22 going on 35 mentally. So 
you know, he's, a, he's an exciting young player. You know, it was looking for a while that DeChambeau would have one of the best rounds of the day. He was three under, like I said, through 17 holes, staring at a 69 if he just makes par on 18. Wins whipping, it's not easy because that hole is difficult in his own right, and then you add a lot of wind to it late in the day. It wasn't easy, but the wind wasn't the problem. He, you know, he, he pulled his shot way left, ended up making triple bogey, but he was looking at putting it to a really good score together, and then he kind of kind of bailed. So besides him, only four other guys went under par today, all of them shooting 71. And Dustin Johnson was one of them. He shot 71. Rory, as we said, 71. Daniel Berger, 71, and Troy Merritt, 71. Troy Merritt's a guy that you know a little bit about. He lives out uh, near where you live uh, in, in Idaho. And so you, you've been able to talk to him actually quite a bit, way more than anybody else this week. And now he's sitting there at plus one. He's only five strokes off the lead, but he hasn't even played that good at golf. Yeah, I mean, for Troy Merritt, he's, he's, I call him the human highlight reel. I mean, he, when he's on, he's unbelievable. And we saw a little bit of that at Bay Hill. He had five, five straight birdies on the back nine. He, he holed out from off the green twice. Uh, and then obviously came to a watery end on 18 when he went for the stick. Yeah, that was sad. But, you know, Troy is, is just a fabulous player. And, and he admits this is not really his type of golf course. He's not super long off the tee, and, and that's going to really show up in a – you know, when he plays next to a guy like Dustin Johnson. Uh, and he doesn't really shape the ball the way you need to shape it off the tee. He doesn't play that big right-to-left shot that uh, you kind of need to play, especially on, like, a hole like 13, for example. But uh, but look at him. He's right there. I mean, he, sh- he shoots a 71 today, like you said, one of a handful of rounds under par on a very, very hard day. And, uh, and he's right there. He's five shots off. And I've been talking to him to do a diary on golf.com every single day. And, you know, he doesn't get too high or too low. He's a funny guy. You know, I'm like, Troy, great round. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying great round just because this is your first Masters or because you're from I, I, I would say great round to Phil Mickelson if he shot 71. And he's like, yeah, yeah that was really, really good. Oh, you know, he's just he's a kind of a cool cucumber. And, uh, and that's one of the fun things about him. And uh, you, can, uh, you can actually look online and see him winning a, uh, a, uh, a game of essentially what was a game of force against the Memphis Grizzlies point guard uh, Mike Conley Jr. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he, he dusted the guy. I mean, the guy yeah. didn't even get on the board. Uh, Troy. Troy's a good basketball player. He's a good basketball player. He's uh, he's he's athletically uh, kind of a freakish guy, and, and 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 not somebody who really gets nervous that easily. The funny thing is, like, I kept expecting him to say when I was doing this. Troy Merritt diary like oh I got on the first tee and it was the first time I'd ever first shot I'd ever hit that mattered at the Masters and I was playing with Ian Woosnam who won in 1991 as a Ryder Cup captain and you know all the nerves just hit me at once he never said any of that <laughs> Troy Merritt said you know what I just never really got nervous and it, you know that's a pretty cool customer yeah, no, he, Troy's, a, Troy's a tall, skinny guy. For any of you watching the Masters and don't recognize someone tomorrow, Troy Merritt comes on your screen. He's very lanky, and it, you know that probably adds to what he was able to do on the basketball court. He's one of those guys at plus one. If I'm Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, I'm not just worried about the guy that I'm playing with. 
I'm worried about those guys that are at plus one, at even, at minus one, because those are the guys that are going to be able to probably play in maybe slightly uh, less wind because the wind's going to be a factor on Saturday. Now, those guys are going to get out in front of you. They're going to face the par fives before you do. They're going to have a chance to run up the leaderboard and post a score before you do. That's what makes moving day scary for the leaders is that while you have the lead, the people behind you are moving. Who, who do you think tomorrow makes a move out of that group of guys that like one under even or, or one over? Well, I'd like to see Jason Day make a move. I think a lot of people. Yeah, we might be a little biased. You know, it's, I'm a big Jason Day fan, and he's exciting. He's an exciting player for the game. And the whole big three thing, I mean, if we actually had the big three, you know, banging heads on Sunday at Augusta National, I mean, how crazy would that be? It would, like, break the known universe. Yeah, the golf universe, that's for yeah. sure. But, uh, you know, but you mentioned guys who are a few shots back and the, and the guys who are dangerous, and I think, I do think that you have to keep an eye on Grant Snedeker only because it's supposed to be windy, and he did play one of the greatest really bad weather rounds in recent memory when he won the Farmers Insurance Open. He shot a 69 in the final round, which actually ended up being nine shots better than the field average, which was like spectacular. I mean, I... I it was an incredible round. It was an uh, incredible round, and he actually won the thing just waiting around. He like didn't even have to hit a shot on Monday when everybody else had to come back and finish because of the weather issues. Uh, but Brant Snedeker is probably a guy who's, who's sitting there going tonight going, okay, blow, wind, blow. You know, I hope, I hope it's nasty. Nastier the better. Before we continue, I need to take a break to talk about another sponsor that we have at the Golf.com podcast. It's Harry's Razors. Harry's Razors is easily one of the newest additions to my bathroom and one of my favorite additions to my downtown Manhattan bathroom. Harry's razors are great. That's really all it comes down to. I've been using them uh, myself for about the past week or so. Every other day I enter the bathroom with a mean stubble only to leave that bathroom 15 minutes later with a smooth baby face. I love it every single time. They really are great. And they're even more than that though. Harry's gives you factory direct prices, cutting out the middleman, shipping their products right to your door. So do yourself a favor and stop getting ripped off. Get Harry's Razors. Harry's Starter Set is the best option for new customers and a great deal. For just 15 bucks, you get a razor handle, foaming shave gel, that stuff's really nice, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. That's how you know they're good. Plus, for listeners of this show, Harry's is giving you $5 off your first purchase with promo code GOLF, G-O-L-F. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Make sure you use that code GOLF, G-O-L-F, at checkout to let them know that I sent you to Harry's for your razors. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Brand. Brand has also played pretty well at Augusta National in the past. He's definitely top 10 here at the Masters before. So as a guy who's played good golf in 2016 and might continue it tomorrow, moving day, if I'm going to pick a guy from that group, I think I'm going to go with DJ. And... You know, it's, it's, it's an easy pick to make. He's a top 10 player in the world, and he's the kind of guy that hits the high. He, can, he hits it high, he can draw it, and, and he's the kind of guy that succeeds here at Augusta National He and, and can blast it through the wind. He did this last year, too. Now, the conditions were much, much better, but he, DJ was definitely on the leaderboard throughout a majority of the tournament chasing Jordan Spieth. He's got to keep an eye on because, you know, as much as – the par fours are incredibly important, and there are many more of them uh, than the par fives and par threes here at Augusta National. 
those par fives can just really change a masters, especially on a weekend, especially on moving day or on Sunday, you hit a par five and you give yourself a 30 foot chance at Eagle. That's when it drops. And that's when you, it becomes your, your green jacket moment. So definitely DJ, a guy worth keeping an eye on. Sergio Garcia is at even, you know, it's going to be one of those things that we giggle about because we can't quite take him serious until he's maybe in the lead, right? Or, or in until second. Until, yeah, exactly. Until he gets through the course. I would love to see Sergio win his major. I mean, you know, the guy is a huge talent. I went out, uh, Alan Bastable and I went out. We were gonna, we were like, hey, let's go see Sergio. You know, he's doing well. He was four under par through eight. And uh, we, we leave the press building. By the time we get out to the 10th tee, he's double bogeyed the ninth hole. <laughs> and Spieth has started with a birdie. And all of a sudden, Garcia's not two back, he's five back, and we're like, oh, man, you know, so it's just, Sergio, we were talking a little bit ago about how Rory is such a great, great player from tee to green, Sergio also is, Sergio is a fantastic ball striker, uh, but, uh, you know, on the greens, he's been a little sketchy, and I actually think that his best chance to win a major is the British Open, because the greens are typically a little bit flatter, a little bit slower, and that kind of allows a guy who's not a super, super uh, great putter to kind of skate by and, uh, and get it done. And you actually, you've seen that in recent years. Ernie Els recently won a British Open, so, and we know what putting troubles he's going through, which is really hard to see and sad to see. But, uh, but I think the British is a good one for Sergio, for sure, and, and he could win it. I mean, he could, the way I think he could win a major is if, and this sounds weird to say, but I think he needs to like finish his fourth round, like way ahead of everybody. Yeah, and and everyone else. Something really low, and then have a little bit of weather roll in, and then and then have everybody kind of go backwards a little bit. Take all the nerves out of it. Yeah, take the nerves out of it, and uh, and then he wins, and he's the last guy standing, and and there's no there's no shame in that. No, uh, I think that, you know I think he deserves a major, Sergio. He, he, his talent is worthy of a major. If you look at this leaderboard, it's it's very interesting, and there's probably only one thing that I really need to point out. Just looking at it, there's a guy there at plus one, uh, so tied for fifteenth, tied with Jason Day and Kepka and Troy Merritt, like we talked about. His name is Bernard Longer. He's plus one, and I, I, the, I the reason I have to bring it up is because a buddy of mine saw Bernard Longer on uh, on a betting sheet early, early, early this week. I think it was on Monday, and he saw him at plus 650. And while it is incredible to put a bet on a guy who is in his 50s, and you know, not even a guy who's in his 50s, but a guy that's trending towards 60, Bernard Longer. You know, it's not that incredible because he's played well. And Bernard Longer was on the leaderboard, I think, maybe two years ago at the Masters. The guy is an incredible golfer in his 50s. And yeah. he got him at 650, and he put $1 on him <laughs> because he doesn't, uh, you know, you can't afford to put a ton of money on Bernard Longer, but yeah. he put $1 on him. And if, it, if, if he hangs around the leaderboard and plays consistent golf in dangerous condition or in dangerously, um, I don't know, you can blow up kind of conditions. Yeah. You never know what Bernard Longer, someone like that can do. I know it's a funny thing and you're laughing, but you just never know. And sometimes that happens at the Masters. I think that, I think that, would, be, that would be a crazy story for sure. Even if he were close on Sunday, well, that would be a pretty nutty story because it would, take, it would take you all the way back to 
I believe it was 1998 when Jack Nicholas was 58, and he contended. Uh, on I think he, didn't he finish sixth or yeah, something, like, something that? like that? He was right up there, and people were going crazy. I mean, I remember people were breaking the no running rule at Augusta left and right. I broke <laughs> the no running rule yeah. at Augusta. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, Jack Nicholas was 58, and it, what it felt like was a was an old highlight reel, black and white that had suddenly come to life. And it yeah, was and now it's in color. And now it's in color, and it's vivid, and it's happening right here, right now. And I, mean, I remember just, just running around like crazy, trying to fig- find Jack and, and follow this em- emerging story. So, uh, you know, Langer obviously didn't have quite the following. <laughs> no, maybe we'll see him do it, though. He's won here at Augusta before. He's won here before. I mean, he could certainly, uh, he could certainly play well on the weekend. It'd be fun. Yeah, one, one of those... Uh, you know, that's one of the things about Jack Nicklaus's career that actually probably doesn't get as much credit. You know, you're only going to get credit if you win. But the fact that 58, that kind of doesn't, I don't think that gets appreciated as much as what Tom Watson did uh, at the British Open in 2009 against Stuart Sink. Now, I think everyone kind of thinks of all like near 60 years old. Tom Watson was 59. Yeah, Jack, was that was amazing in its own right. But I think people, they also see that Jack won at 46 and they're like, okay, that was his last hurrah. But it really, it really wasn't. Before we continue, uh, one quick note about another sponsor here at the Sports Illustrated Podcast Network. FanDuel. It's that time of year. Baseball is back. You hear the crack of the bat. You smell the freshly mowed grass. And for me, uh, as a big Brewers fan, that means tailgating outside Miller Park. Basically the most fun you can have in a baseball stadium parking lot. That's all good and fun, but I've got another way for you to make baseball even more fun. It's daily fantasy baseball. If you're not playing FanDuel this season, you're missing out on the most fun a baseball fan can have. On FanDuel, you get to choose. Do you compete for cash with fans from around the world? Or start a tinier league and keep up with friends while you play. Either way, you get to beat the GM by studying the matchups and being your own personal version of Moneyball by setting that winning lineup. Entry fees start at just a buck. That's one dollar. So there's no season-long commitment. Play for one day or play for 180 days. That's the whole season. 162 games plus the playoffs. But here's the best part. FanDuel is giving new players their first game risk-free. It'll cost you nothing in the end. Just go to FanDuel.com and enter the code GOLF. That's G-O-L-F. Go ahead and enter a FanDuel league or start one with your friends. If you don't win any prize in your first contest, you get that $10 right back to your FanDuel account for more play. That's FanDuel.com with my code GOLF, G-O-L-F, for a risk-free tournament at up to $10. There was a lot of talk about Jack in 86 just because it's now the 30-year anniversary of that. Um, But... uh, I think why people got interested in that part, part, part of why people got interested in, in looking back at what Jack did when he was 46 is because Phil's 45 and Mickelson was playing well this year. You know, he had, he had three top five finishes. He was really trending in the right direction. He has a new coach, Andrew Getson. And, uh, and of course, Augusta is so great for Phil. I mean, he's played well here, even when he hasn't been swinging well. And, Lo and behold, he comes in and uh, looks pretty good, and then makes two late double bogeys, and he misses the cut. So, uh, just kind of, kind of too bad there for Phil fans. Yeah, I know Phil. Phil was a hot pick earlier in the year, uh, not only for the Masters but for other tournaments. And I know, regardless of what happened uh, today uh, on the back nine, he's going to end up being a hot pick for the U.S. Open again in a couple months. Now, as far as picks go, before I let you go, you got to give me predictions, a couple of them. One of them being, you said Brant Snedeker is a guy to keep an eye on, but who do you think 
who do you think rises up tomorrow uh, from that group? Like maybe a little bit beyond that. Like let's think someone who's at plus two, plus three. Do you have anyone in mind that you think is just like they've played pretty good golf and they just kind of have one more thing click and then, you know, it, it has to be more of a two-round comeback for them than just a one-round comeback? Well, you mentioned Brooks Kepka, and, you know, if it is breezy, I think, you, I think it does favor guys who really hit it big and can power it through the wind. And Brooks Kepka is a guy who can really control his trajectory very well. He can crush it. Uh, he will not be as affected by the wind as maybe some other guys. Uh, maybe maybe a guy like Troy Merritt, who we were talking about earlier. Um, so, you know, Brooks Kepka's he's in it. He's close enough. If he puts together two good rounds, uh, he's going to need to figure out how to putt these greens. And that's, you know, you have to, you have to, you can't just be great from tee to green. You have to put it all together. And, and you know, that's, as far as the big hitters go, Rory McIlroy is doing that better than any of the big hitters. He's doing that so far better than Kepka, better than Dustin Johnson. Uh, and I, I do like Rory's chances to continue to put every facet of the game together and, and come out just a little bit ahead of speed. I also think Rory would never say this, but I think Rory was a little bit um, taken aback by how quickly everything changed. Yeah, storyline-wise. Uh, yeah, storyline-wise, and how quickly everybody abandoned him mm -hmm. and, and went on to the speed you know, bandwagon. Yeah, uh, it happens quickly. It happened quickly. It escalated fast. And I, I think Rory would never say so, but uh, I think he does feel, uh, I think at least part of him feels that he, he has something to prove. All right. Well, Cam says keep an eye on Kepka. Uh, he predicts Rory will, will take over Spieth at least tomorrow on moving day. As far as anyone in the plus two to plus three range, uh, two guys to keep an eye on. Definitely Henrik Stenson. Uh, the guy just seems a couple putts away from actually putting together a good round. He hasn't done it yet. But also uh, Justin Rose. Justin Rose shot 77 today, Friday. At, I know, a very rough score for him. But he's only 24 hours removed from a 69 here. He's got a great record here. He finished T2 last year. So, you know, he's the kind of guy that knows how to compete at this course. So he's the kind of guy that can definitely shoot a 67 68 tomorrow yeah. you're i'm you're i'm gonna go with speed though in regards to rory versus speed uh we already talked about this earlier but i think the kid he hasn't played great golf and he's still winning the tournament i think he's gonna play a little bit better golf tomorrow but we'll have to see because the weather will be interesting winds were gusting near 30 miles an hour today they're probably gonna be somewhat similar tomorrow maybe even a little bit chillier out there on the course so we're going to have to see what happens here at the Masters. But that's it for day two here. Thank you, Cam Morfitt, for your time and your picks. It'll be a hell of a Saturday here at Augusta National Moving Day. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially with that final pairing. Until then, uh, just subscribe to the podcast. It's my birthday month, and I would love it if you give me that tiny little present just by subscribing to the podcast. That way you can hear us here at the Golf.com podcast much more often. Download it straight to your phone. We'll see what happens Saturday afternoon, and we're going to podcast about it Saturday night. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.